The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Take your Bible, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I am excited to be here. Uh, I hope that you're having a good morning. I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm nervous uh, to be up here and speak to you. Not because there's so many of y'all, uh, but I'm nervous because I want to make sure and, and hopefully adequately convey what the Lord's laid on my heart because um, every time I come to this campus, whether it's an opportunity to speak or just even just be on campus to recruit and tell people about what we're doing, I'm overwhelmed by the thought of how much potential is here. Uh, the more that I travel around the world, the more I get to partner with missionaries. I've got to partner with uh, Pastor George here multiple times going over to Romania and helping the church ministries there. Uh, most recently, we worked with Ukrainian refugees just a few months ago. Um, the more I'm traveling around the world, the more I'm seeing just greater and greater and greater needs. I'm convinced with all my heart that the Lord is coming back soon. And if we're going to make a difference, if we're going to help build his kingdom, we need as much help as we can possibly get. I'm listening to what he just said, and you know what was really resounding in my mind? It sounds like he needs some youth ministry majors, people that would love camp ministry that can go and help him over there. I'm thinking about education majors that maybe could use English as a second language to attract more people where we can get the gospel to them. I'm thinking about all the different people here that have skill sets, you have abilities, you have giftings, you have callings on your life, and how I'm hoping and I'm praying today as we look at this passage of Scripture, I can encourage you to think outside the box and and see, how does that translate to getting the gospel around the world? It's, it's very easy for us in America today. Um, it's very easy for you to be able to translate your degree to something very simple, very secure. To step off this campus once you have that degree in your hand into the security of a paying job. Uh, to go back into the comfort of maybe a, a community that you came from or somewhere that's welcoming you with, with benefits and a pay package that will keep you safe and give you an opportunity to start a family and start your new chapter of life. But this morning, I want to challenge you to think outside the box and think about how can God take what he's given to you? How can you take those skill sets, that personality, uh, the, the passions that you have in life? How can you use that to impact the world for Jesus Christ, regardless of what your degree may be? How can you use that in missions? So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we find ourselves. And really this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture, this is one that's usually most of the time in missions conferences, this is a passage that a lot of people go to to talk about giving money, uh, giving to missions. And, and listen, before you tune me out, uh, before you start to respond with the fact that you're a poor college student, uh, I want you to know I'm not really going to talk about money, not a, a lot at least. Uh, and by the way, I hope you understand too, you're not as poor as you think you are. Uh, you're not. Uh, I hope you understand how good God has been in your life. Um, we have more disposable income in our, our Christian churches and our homes today than we ever have. We live in the richest church age ever, and yet the gospel continues to be slow to get to other parts of the world. Um, this morning, I'm not going to really talk about financially supporting missions, even though I believe every single one of us can, and we absolutely should, even as college students. Uh, this morning, I really want to remind you of the great task that God has given to us. Jesus would tell uh, the disciples, the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. And he tells us, pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he would send more laborers. 
And at the end of his earthly ministry, Jesus would look at the disciples. He says, even as my father sent me, I'm sending you. So this morning, there's not a single one of you that are getting off the hook this morning. There's not a single one of you. It doesn't matter if you're a Bible major or not. It doesn't matter what degree you may have gotten. I'm telling you, every single one of you have a position. You have a place in global evangelization. It's just a matter of whether or not you're going to accept it, whether or not you're going to surrender to it. Uh, as we think about this and we, we think about the, the, the fields of labor, we know that there's two types of fields. We know that there's the local field. Uh, really, no amount of money is going to harvest this. This is where you and I, we've got to roll up our sleeve. We've got to get involved in maybe outreach ministries uh, through the college here where we're going down and, and helping to reach in the nursing homes. We're starting uh, neighborhood Bible clubs. We're going to help in other uh, outreaches in the community. That's what we're called to do. Uh, we can do that here. There is also the field that's abroad. It's, it's out there where we have men and women like those on the stage this morning where we're trying to support them. We're trying to encourage them. We're trying to enable them to go and reach those communities. And really when we get to this passage of scripture here, uh, we're learning how uh, Paul is going to be speaking to this church about helping others that are beyond where they are. Um, our mission is to make disciples of all people. Jesus would say in Matthew 24, verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Uh, it's the gospel of the kingdom of God. Not that you and I reign. No, not at all. This is not about us, our egos, uh, our, our adventures that we want to go on. This is all about making sure everybody knows that there is a true king of kings, that there is a coming Lord. He is coming to rule and reign. And we want to make sure that we advance his kingdom more than we ever advance our own. Our mission is to make disciples and the aim of preaching the gospel of the kingdom is that every nation might know King Jesus, to admire him, to know his love. I hope that even this morning you took time to bask in the fact of how loved, how accepted, how treasured you are by Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are, student. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't doubt whatsoever that there's probably students in here this morning that you're probably battling some insecurities. You're, you're battling some, some, some trials that you're going through right now that you don't understand. It may be a relationship that you have. It may be something going on with your parents back home. Uh, it may be a financial situation, whatever it may be going on in your life personally. But I hope you understand this morning, you should bask in the fact that you are so loved, you are so treasured by our Heavenly Father, that He has such an incredible plan and design for your life. And just like Pastor Redland said just a minute ago, you were created on purpose for a purpose. So don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on it. It's about preaching his kingdom so that people can know the same God that we know. And over and over again, the Bible would declare that God does what he does so that his name might be proclaimed in all the earth. In fact, Isaiah uh, chapter 12, verse four, it really sums up the whole theme of missions, if you will, when it says, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. This is the reason why we go. This is the reason we do what we do. When we go into these communities as medical missionaries, I'm I'm not crazy. I know our medicine only going to last for a certain amount of time. I know the glasses that we give those patients, while it may open new doors for them, they can read, they can write, they can drive, they can have a job now. I know that whenever we care for those babies and we're giving them a little bit of an edge where they can grow and mature a little bit better because we've given them nutritional uh, supplements and we've given them medications to help with infections they may have. I know that the reality is those medications will run out soon. That prescription will not be good any longer. But what I want to do is introduce them to Jesus Christ because he's the one that makes all the difference. His name is to be exalted and long after the medicines, long after the procedures, long after the gifts we've given them have faded away to have Jesus 
to know him and to be known and loved by him. What an incredible treasure you and I have been given. And it's all about declaring his name. Why do we join together to support the work of men and women that we don't know so that they can reach people that we've never met in countries that we've never been to before? Because Jesus Christ, because God Almighty, don't you ever forget this, he is absolutely fiercely passionate about his glory. He is absolutely and fiercely passionate about everybody knowing his name. I think it makes him angry, if I'm honest with you. I think it is, it is one of those things that uh, there is going to be a judgment day when we know that there are so many people that are bowing to another name, another name that is not holy, another name that is blasphemous, another name that's been attributed to a man-made idol. And his heart breaks because he wants people to know there is but one true God. And he's given us, you and I, the responsibility of making that known to all people. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we're going to look at a group of churches here uh, that they were willing. They were willing to sacrifice so that other people may know. And I think there's three elements of this passage that I really just want to quickly encourage you with this morning. That I really want you to try to commit to your heart today and think through and pray through and ask God, God, uh, can, I, can I grow in these areas? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse number 1, and this is what we read. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that at a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power. They were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty, that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hope, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. I think there's three elements that I really want to just encourage you with this morning. The first one here is you and I, if we're going to see our lives count, especially when it comes to global evangelization, if it's going to count when it comes to advancing his kingdom, making sure that they know his name before they ever know our name. Listen, your titles that you may get, the furtherance of your education, no matter how high you climb the ladder in your career, it will never match the greatest name, and that is Jesus Christ, the God of all gods. It's never going to match the glory that he gets. So can I go ahead and save you the struggle now. Can I save you the struggle now of, of trying to do something for yourself with yourself and trying to advance yourself? Let me save you the struggle and tell you, if you will give your life to advancing his kingdom, you will know true joy. You will know true fulfillment. You will absolutely understand the purpose for why you were put on this earth. So the first thing that we've got to do in order to make this happen is we have to have a sincere fidelity. That's what I find in this passage of scripture. The Macedonian church, you have to understand historians tell us they had suffered persecution. Uh, really what had happened is there had been a, a, a drought had taken place. So crops had failed. We know that there had been an earthquake that took place. We know that they were just pushed into this incredibly deep poverty. They were living in poverty. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own two eyes. Uh, I've seen that there are people that I believe would fit the description of these people. It wasn't that long ago that we would fly to the Dominican Republic, we would board a retired Navy vessel, and we would be taken to a safer port into uh, Haiti. We would be led off of that boat to help what I believe and I would consider the forgotten church of our hemisphere for sure. 
as we would go into these communities. The pastor would call me just days before and say, I'm not sure if you want to come. 16 people from our church just died of cholera. Cholera struck our church and brothers and sisters in Christ are dying. I, I saw the, the patients that would come to our clinics, the babies starving to death. I, I saw the parents that would come gaunt as you could see the malnutrition setting in for them. I could tell you of other churches and other places where I've been in orphanages in Africa as we've traveled into the South Pacific and saw remote people groups there. I can tell you over and over about the poverty, the abject poverty. So whenever I read this passage of scripture, I have to be honest with you, that's the people that I'm imagining that Paul is describing in this passage of scripture. So what in the world, what in the world would cause people who have so little to think so generously that the Bible would tell us Paul would use these people as an example? He's going to tell every other church that he's going to start. I hope that you can give like these people give. What would cause him to want to do something like this? I can think of nothing more than the fact that they had a sincere love for other people, that they wanted people to know, I, I might not have a lot here, but I have so much waiting on me. I, I was nothing. I was lost and now I'm found. I, I had no peace. I had no hope, but now it doesn't matter what I can hold with my hands. I have it all held within my heart because I know a savior and I want other people to know that. Could you imagine what that must have been like for those people? Could you imagine the, the husbands and the wives as they may their, maybe gather around children, and this is completely me reading into the passage, but gathering around their children and saying, hey, listen, we're going to feed you what little food we have, but the rest of what we have, uh, we're going to take it. We want to give to other people so that they can believe in Jerusalem. Uh, what little money we have, I, I'm not going to be able to buy extra for tomorrow because I want to take this. I want them to know the hope that I know. I want them to know the Savior that I know. And I, I want to pass this along to someone else so that they can take the gospel to other people. They need to hear what we need to hear, what we've learned. We want them to know that there's more than this life. And whenever my body may lay down and rest in this ground, that my soul will be together with my Savior. I want them to know that. What an incredible love that they would have, collecting to aid their Christian friends and establishing uh, this church and reaching more people with the gospel of Christ. It reminds me, um, if you were to go to the book of Exodus, um, God was telling the children of Israel that he was going to allow them to build this tabernacle. And he tells Moses, hey, tell all the people to bring offerings. It's free will. They can give whatever they want to. Tell them to bring anything that they want to to give to this work. And the Bible says that they begin to collect offerings. This is financial that they're giving uh, to the construction of this project. And we find out that later in Scripture, we, we would read that in the beginning of Exodus chapter 35. But then we would learn later on in the passage of Scripture that they had brought so much stuff that the leaders came to Moses and said, please tell the people to stop giving. We've got plenty. We don't need any more. Could you imagine what that would look like, pastor? Could you imagine? Missionaries, could you all imagine? We got more money than we know what to do with. Send it back to the churches. We don't need any more. That would be incredible. How much more so if we had young people today where we're saying, hey, I don't know that we need any more missionaries in Romania. Would you consider going to Estonia? Uh, I'm not sure that we need any more over there. Would you pray to go to Sudan? Uh, how about you? Would you pray to go to, over to Yemen? We need more missionaries there. Have you even thought about Bhutan yet? They need to be reached over there. Angola, Suriname. Has anybody prayed yet for Equatorial Guinea? Uh, what if we had that kind of response from people because we love God so much? I think that's exactly what happened in this passage of scripture. God, you rescued us from, is, uh, from the Egyptians. You freed us from bondage. As we travel through this land, we want everyone to know that we worship the true God, that all of our life, all of our heart belongs to him. And we want to erect this place to worship you and your majesty to be amongst us because we love you. What if it were true in the student body? Oh God, I love you more than anything. I love you more than a career. 
I love you more than the security of maybe what could happen after this. God, I want everything to belong to you and I have such a sincere love for other people. It no longer becomes something where you're scrolling through your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed, your news feed, and you just see these horrific atrocities that are happening over and over in our world today. Genocides, murders, mass shootings and killings, people who are being mutilated, abused, trafficked, people who are chained by addictions. It no longer becomes people that you can just scroll by, but suddenly your heart is different. You say, you know what? Only by the grace of God that could be me and I want to love people like this so much that I want to go. I want to give. I want to do something. But he says it's not just a sincere fidelity that you have to have here. It goes on. I think that you and I have to surrender our future. I mentioned it just a moment ago. Not only would we have the sincere fidelity, but we have to surrender our future. In, uh, in this verse, in verse number seven, Paul tells the Corinthian church to abound in this grace. Oh, what kind of grace is that? Well, he's telling us in verse number two that in spite of the great trial of affliction, their abundant joy and deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. In other words, their abundant joy and deep poverty abounded. It burst forth in this great generosity. Do you, you have to make the connection here. You cannot miss this. Paul is telling us that they were so poor. It has more to do with, it goes beyond money here. It goes beyond money. He says that it was first that they gave of themselves. They were willing to give themselves. This means I surrender my future, God. I'm willing to take the money because I know it's not mine. It all belongs to you. I'm willing to put my life on the line now. I'm willing to put my life here because it could be that was my last meal, but I trust you, God. It could have been that that was the money that was going to keep my children alive, but I trust you, God. My entire future, I'm willing to lay it down so that other people may know the glory of the God that has changed my life. This morning, I'm begging you to see this. I'm begging you to consider this. We're seeing it on a regular basis. Folks coming through our clinic, the hopelessness that's in their eyes, people that have been abused, people that just see uh, no end in sight to the poverty or, or the way they're living, and they need the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we can't do it without you. We need you to lock arms with us. We need you to find ministries on this stage and others that are not represented and say, God, let my life count for eternity. Yes, I could probably leave this college campus and get a very well-paying job, but God, I surrender my future to you as well. Whatever you would have me give, I want to give myself first. Our heavenly father would teach us, our father which art in heaven, he teaches us to pray, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I, I think that we would agree that we're praying for the kingdom of God to be a reality in our present day, that his will is done in our lives. So I think it would even be appropriate to pray it this way, our father which art in heaven, hallowed, holy is your name, and I want your kingdom to be real in my future endeavors. Wherever you send me, God, whatever path you would send me down, I want your kingdom to be done just like it would be in heaven. And so I know I've already got the greatest example that you would leave the comfort of heaven to come and pay the penalty for my sin. You would be that first missionary. And so, God, if that's your will for me, I am 100 percent willing to lay down and say, if that's what the kingdom is asking of me, I will go. I'll surrender my future. Open your heart to God. Be be generous with your evangelistic dreams. Be generous with your evangelistic dreams. You were created for so much more than just a job, 
You were created for so much more than mediocrity in this world's eyes. You were created for glorious, grand things for the kingdom's sake. Every single one of you have an opportunity to use your life to show grace, hope, help, healing to others. Be like the Macedonian Christians who in their deep poverty thought of others first. I'm willing to go and give. The future is yours, Lord. I surrender it all. The last thing, and I'll hurry through this, it's not only that we have to have a a sincere fidelity for others, a genuine love as we would hear last night, praying for Al-Qaeda, praying for Hamas, praying for people that seem so wicked and vile, praying for children, praying for child predators. That sounds horrific to even say, doesn't it? But the grace of God is for all men. Praying for people of other religions and other nationalities and other customs and cultures, no matter of skin color, no matter of languages spoken, no matter what their socioeconomic status may be. I want to sincerely love others, Lord, the way you've loved me. And I surrender my future to you. And then the last step of this would be a step of faith. What would move people who have nothing to give something so generously? I believe that it's faith, a faith in a God that has promised to meet all of our needs. The Macedonian believers had that kind of faith. The Corinthians didn't here. And Paul is trying to encourage them and tell them, listen, uh, in fact, if you were to go into chapter nine, uh, excuse me, chapter 10, Paul would begin telling them, listen, you're looking at other people. You're comparing yourself to other people. And that's just unwise. Don't do it. Don't worry about what other skill set they have. Don't worry about how they're serving the Lord over there. Don't sit there and say, I wish he would open the door for me to go there. I wish God would have called me to do that. No, please don't compare yourself to other people. No, you have a perfect plan. He's got a perfect will for you. So don't compare yourself to other people, not what they're giving or what they could have given. No, you look at yourself and say, God, what can I do? Because I want to step out in faith and watch you do something great through my life. I want you to be the one that that works out all the details. I want you to to be the one that paves the pathway and opens the doors. God, I want to watch you do it. In fact, in verse number 15 of chapter 10, Paul would actually say this. When your faith is increased, we shall be enlarged by you to preach the gospel to the regions beyond you. Think about what he's saying here. I'm begging you to stop for a minute and grow in your faith because when you grow in your faith, the people that haven't heard will finally get to hear. This is bigger than you and I. This is about the people that have not heard yet, the languages that do not have a Bible yet, the people that still need to hear the glorious gospel to be freed from the bondage and the slavery of sin. They need to hear, but we have got to grow in our faith. It absolutely could be that it's you in this room today that could finally break the door open to the Middle East. It could be you today that God finally uses to break the door open to cultures that are so steeped in animism and deepest, darkest Africa where the glorious light finally shines through. It could be you taking your computer skills and being able to use those to find a way to program things to get the gospel to more people. It could be you using your teaching degree to finally attract people that want to grow in education, but you teach them to learn to love the Lord and how much he loves them. It could be you taking whatever it is and saying, God, I want to take a step of faith. And this sounds crazy. And I don't know what other people are going to think. They might think I've wasted my life, but I don't because I love others the way you've loved me. And I want this to be sincere. 
This is not about an Instagram post. This is not about trying to find some notoriety. It's not so I get any type of pat on the back. No, God, this is for you and your glory. I sincerely love them. I'm surrendering my future right now. And God, I am scared to death, but I am willing to step out in faith. Oh, God, if you open that door, God, if you provide the way, I'll go. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what these people are going to be like. I don't know how they're going to accept me. I don't know if they're going to welcome me or shun me. I don't even know if I'm going to survive this. But God, it's for your glory. It's for your glory. That my life would amount to nothing, but his glory is the greatest gain that I could ever have. Because isn't this what it's all about? Proclaiming the fame and the glory of God. And these men, they were waiting on other people to grow in faith so that the mission endeavors could continue to advance. There's probably missions agencies represented today here that are waiting for the gospel to advance on you to grow in your faith. Our ministry, I'm not going to lie, our ministry, we're waiting. We need more people to step out in faith. We're praying for God to send 30 full-time missionaries in the next three years to our ministry because we have so many people asking us to bring our medical teams to their communities that we can't do it. Our staff is stretched thin. Our staff is doing everything we possibly can. And I'm begging God to stretch other people's faith, to step out and love others the way they've been loved, love them with a gospel kingdom-minded love, to get the gospel to them, to surrender the future and see what God can do. Back to verse number eight. Therefore, as you abound in everything else, such as faith, utterance, knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love towards us, see that you abound in this grace also. I hope you have a fantastic semester, and I mean that truly. I hope that you grow in your friendships, that you find lifelong friends, maybe even a lifelong companion here. I hope that you grow in your knowledge of the things that you're studying in school. I hope that you become the best at whatever God has called you to be. But I hope that you'll grow in this grace. A grace of giving yourself first for his kingdom, for his glory. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.